once again, friends, lovely to see you all in this beautiful corner of our green and pleasant land. Thank you for having me to be your speaker today. It's a great joy to renew fellowship with Pastor John Eichen, your pastor here. Uh, I was a pastor for many years as well, so uh, I understand what he does, and we thank the, I know you thank the Lord for him as we do in the prophetic witness movement. Um, and I would very much like to sit down and listen to him this morning. That'd be, that'd be a nice plan. Uh, in my early training years ago, we were taught the preacher that isn't willing to stand down, is, to step down, isn't fit to stand up. So that's how we, we were trained. I'd like to listen to him, but I think I'm to carry on. And I want like us, please, to turn in our scriptures. Pastor John has read to us a lovely reading from the New Testament. Let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, and at verse 1, please. The book of Genesis, chapter 4, and verse 1, we'll have a little... Bible message this morning on the subject of origins. Where did we come from? Where did the world come from? Why is the world like it is? Why do we die? Many things that secularism has not a clue, that has nothing to say, but we can find out from a study of origins. Genesis chapter 4, reading from verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, And she conceived and bared Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. That was doubtful. And she again bare his brother Abel or Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground, I guess, a sort of a market gardener. In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering Unto the Lord, who evidently lived in Eden's garden. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to, unto, said to Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted. And if, not, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain talked with Abel, his brother. To come, came to pass when they were in the field, evidently no one around. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew. He, he murdered him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is your Abel, your brother? And he said, I think you'll agree quite rudely. I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be looking after him? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath received her mouth to receive your brother's blood. From your hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond thou shalt be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is great, greater than I can bear. And then, will you turn, please, friends, 
to a well-loved passage in the New Testament, uh, the, Paul's letter to the Ephesian believers and chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, a very well-known and much-loved uh, portion of the New Testament, so important in the prison epistles. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And you, writes the inspired apostle, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. And then the famous words which we love, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Dear friends, here this morning, again a joy to see you. It has been stated, I think with justification, that all the religious systems of the world can be spelled with just two letters. I think that you'll agree that uh, the world of people, humankind, put it that way, is incurably religious. People are incurably religious. Wherever you travel in the world, whatever continent or country, you will see edifices or pillars or memorials to some god. Mankind or humankind is incurably religious. But all the religions, religious systems of the world, they're just uh, uh, human uh, beliefs and each country makes up its own conception of a god that they think is right. It has been stated that all the religious systems in the world can be spelled with two letters. What are they? D. O. Do. All the world's religions are about what a man, a woman is required to do. Religion says, do this. Do that. Wear this. Wear that. Kind of an idea. Living by rules. Yes, religions all over the world boil down and are, can be described in just two words, do. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is spelled with four letters. D-O-N-E. Done. Completely different thing. Man-made human religions are man-made. Salvation is divine and God-given. Religion is what people do for God. Salvation is something that God does for people. In Paul's exposition of the nature of the sinner before salvation, he takes them into a study of the origin of human wickedness, human sin, and human errancy. 
the nature of, of, of salvation. For by grace are ye saved through faith. God's grace and, the, and my faith, they meet in redemptive encounter. And salvation takes place. God's grace and his God imparted faith that he imparts to us. In verses 1 to 3 we read in uh, Ephesians 2. He describes the helpless and hopeless state of the unredeemed old life. We walked according to the course of this world. Correct. We follow the crowd. And then we were under satanic influence. The devil controlled us in our thinking, in our conceiving of things. We were controlled by the lusts of the flesh, earthly desires. And by nature, Paul says, and we read, we were children of wrath, just like others. We followed the crowd. Keeping up with the Joneses, I heard a preacher say years ago, don't bother keeping up with the Joneses, they're miserable. Well, that's true. And then in verse 12, what an awful indictment of human nature without grace, without God. He says we were without hope and without God. But then how wonderful, the little word but comes in, but You were that way, but now things are changed. And there are two wonderful buts there in verse 4 and verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. But it's all down to this wonderful fact that salvation is God provided. Religion is man made. Man invented, but salvation is God imparted. Something that God does for man. Upon a life I did not live. Upon a death I did not die. Another life, another death, I stake my whole eternity. We used to sing in my first church in Devon, where I come from. Perhaps you're wondering where I come from. I know I have a funny accent. I have a funny name, Passmore. I often think I should have run a driving school. That would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Passmore's driving school. When I was a little boy in school, they used to say, Passmore biscuits, I'm hungry. Well, I, I come from Devon and my dear wife, I still love her and miss her. She went to be with Christ 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. And uh, she was, well, a, a, a wonderful wife. I st- as I say, I still love her and miss her. We were, we were Devonians. We used to sing... In my first church in the great city of Plymouth, the biggest city west of Bristol, love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Lord to the cross of shame. Love found a way. Oh, praise his lovely name. It's in the old redemption book. In Genesis chapter 4, we read the record of Cain and Abel our original progenitor and father, Abraham. The Bible teaches us that we are all genetically linked with the first human being. If we don't go back to one human being, then uh, if evolution is true, then we're unrelated to each other. We're alien to each other. But the Bible talks of the human family. We all go back to Adam, which is why we respect and care for one another. And Adam... Our father, as he is called, 
was the original progenitor of us all. And he lived in the Garden of Eden, and we find there that God was there at the very dawn and genesis of human relationships and human life. We're thinking about, as I say, origins. And the secret is in the Hebrew scriptures is the word shakan. It's in a number of verses. It means a dwelling, a temporary dwelling. Remember in John chapter 1, in that marvelous prologue to the gospel, John wrote, to the gospel of Christ's utter deity. In chapter 1, he says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There's the word, shakan. One translation says he pitched his frail tent among us. That's it. Deity, clothed in humanity. Jesus, born of a woman like us. The miracle was not in his birth, but in his conception. And then, in the garden, God dwelt. We read that they went into the presence of God. They brought offerings to God. And they were eventually excluded from the presence of God. He was there. He longed to dwell among the creatures, the people he dwelt. God loves to dwell among his people as he does with us. In verse 3 of uh, chapter 4, that's Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, I'm just out of sync a little bit here because I want you to look back at Genesis 3 and verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife, Eve, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. What a strange arrangement and procedure. What was God teaching us here? With Unto Adam and his wife, the Lord God made coats or garments of skins and clothed them. What, what's that about? Three things. Number one, salvation would be provided by God. The Lord God made the coats of skins. Number two, it required the death of an innocent substitute. What that animal was, we're not told. We conjecture because of salvation history, it was a lamb. It probably was a lamb. Oh, and who killed that creature? Only one person could have done it. God must have done it. And he clothed our father Adam and his wife with the blooded skins of an innocent lamb or a a creature and covered them like a a, a coat because uh, something desperately gone wrong with the human race. What we call the fall that happened. And in Adam the whole human race fell. We live in the world God made, yes. But this is not how he made it. It's a fallen world. Genetically and in the world of nature and even in the planets and in everything. So there was that first mention of the gospel of substitution. That salvation would be God provided... It would require the death of an innocent substitute. And I almost forgot, thirdly, it would require blood. Now, here again, to many ears, this sounds strange. But blood is very precious and meaningful to God. And uh, he clothed our father Adam with those bloodied skins of an animal. We read in verse 3, and I'm back on track now, that Cain brought the fruit of the ground. 
probably was very proud. He was a kind, I mentioned, of a market gardener. He grew leeks and potatoes. When I go to Ireland, they call them spuds. That's okay. He grew strawberries, maybe, and, and beans, yes. He was very proud as he studied the realm of, uh, yes, of, of leguminous things and roots and, and different things. And he was a market gardener and he brought of the fruit of the ground. Now, his offering was not accepted. Why? Because God had cursed the ground and also God knew Cain's motives. Cain must have thought God will be very pleased with the hard work I've done to produce this produce. I'm going to bring something that costs me a lot. I'm going to bring something. And he brought as I mentioned, the leeks perhaps, and cabbages and potatoes and so on. And he brought these as an offering unto the Lord. I think that Cain figured out that the sweat of his brow had more power with God than the blood of his brother's lamb. He trusted, God will be pleased with me because I've worked so hard. God will like me because and receive me because I'm going to bring to him the fruit of the ground. I've worked so hard to produce these vegetables. God watched me in the garden. But no fire fell on Adam's sacrifice. Why? Because you see, vegetables did not foreshadow the blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. The vegetables did not typify or speak to the, to the human race that was to follow of the supreme sacrifice of Calvary. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is Britain's only hope and the world's only hope. That's our only hope, Jesus Christ, and they don't want him. I'm out on the streets most Tuesdays and Saturdays and I speak to young people. We have some wonderful interviews. But Britain is a post-Christian nation. Whereas some listen, most of them won't. So no fire fell upon his offering. He brought the fruit of the ground, the fruit of his own labors. What a a blunder. Somebody said, well, perhaps he was too tender-hearted to kill a lamb. He wasn't too tender-hearted to kill his brother. Got him out in the field, nobody watching. And he killed him. Cain brought a bloodless sacrifice that was not in the plan of God. But Abel, verse 4, brought the firstlings of the flock, the best. He was a sheep farmer, wasn't a market gardener. His trade was that he would bring the firstling of the flock, a sacrifice. Why? Look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Nice to see a lot of you with your Bibles here this morning. In Hebrews chapter 4, there's a wonderful verse here I'd like to call your attention for about uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 by faith Abel or Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he Abel was righteous God testifying of his gifts the, the, the firstlings of the flock of lamb and by it he being dead yet speaketh yes he brought Abel, the sacrifice by faith. But Romans 10 and 17, we needn't look it up, says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
So Abel brought a sacrifice by faith because he had heard a message to act upon. Where did Abel hear the gospel of the blood? Where did he get it from? He could only have got it from someone. His father Adam must have taught him the gospel. That you must rely upon a salvation God provides and provided through an innocent substitute. <coughs> and he didn't like the truth. And so, in what we call fracticide, he killed his own brother. He killed him. He slew his own brother. Friends, religion is a very cruel thing. So here we find the first human being ever born became a murderer. And everybody thinks, oh, we're all wonderful people. We all are all good people. Everyone is basically good. The Bible teaches us the opposite. We're born needing to be saved. We're born needing to be born again. And that glorious gospel of the love of God in Christ came to me when I was just 14 years of age. Billy Graham's meetings, Haringey. I wasn't there. I was in Devon. I had enough money. Didn't have enough money to get to Bristol. But friends. I heard the gospel for the first time. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The preacher said, if you give your heart and life to him, he'll give eternal life to you. So I gave my life to Christ, and he gave eternal life to me. Thank God I've still got it. They said it won't last. (laughs) Billy Graham's converts don't last. I'm sure they don't. But I wasn't a convert to Billy Graham. I was saved by sovereign mercy and grace. The Lord saved me. And I knew I was saved. Folks, Jesus Christ, mighty to save, yep. And I found he's mighty to keep through the days of sadness, sorrow, days of sunshine, days of shadow. So, Abel, he was taught the gospel. His father Adam, maybe Eve also taught him. There must be an innocent substitute. And he came God's way. So let's go back over what I've tried to teach this morning. There was God's way that Abel took, man's way that Cain took. Two different boys, they both brought a sacrifice, they knew there was a God, but they approached him in a different way. One was by faith, the other by works. One was about Christ, the other one was about religion. One was by God's grace, the other one by human merit. One was by two letters the other boy's sacrifice was about the four letters got it religion and salvation there never have been any but these two ways the only difference in religion is what you bring some bring all sorts of things human uh, sacrifice and so on but they're all the same the way of the two letters or the four letters do or done something that God has already done for me on the cross. The first act of the Creator following the fall was to provide a way back to Himself, to clothe our father Adam in the bloodied skins of a. That's the first thing God did after the after creation. He provided a way of escape, a way of salvation. My friends, it's it's a wonderful joy to be saved in a world that's lost, and to know where we're going in a world. That is confused. When I was a little boy all those years ago, we used to sing, do you know this song? There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is opened. You may go in. 
Calvary's cross is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. That's a good song. We used to sing that when I, when I was a little boy. A way back to God. Now, some years ago, and not far from this beautiful part of the country where you lived, there lived a quite famous Anglican clergyman. He was a good, godly man who had a name that was famous. Augustus Montague Toplady. Do you know who he was? I don't, but I'm just glad my mom didn't call me that. Augustus Montague Toplady. Listen, he was the vicar at Cheddar. Parish of Cheddar in Somerset. And I, I, I'm a stranger here, so you, you'll know where Cheddar is. And people go to see Cheddar for the famous gorge and the Lion Rock. Um, very interesting part of the world. Story is told of the old clergyman in his uh, clerical clothes, a, a black robe and big collar. And he was hurrying through his parish when it absolutely tipped down with rain. Does it still rain around here? <laughs> absolutely tipped and the old clergyman thought I'm going to get soaked through and the history books taught me I read it years ago he found what he knew was there anyway Cheddar Gorge a split in the rock a fissure big enough for a man to go in it's still there and people come in coaches to see it a cleft Uh, the hymn writer wrote of a cleft a fissure, a split in the rock. And he thought, that's what I'll do. He pulled his robe around like this and he sheltered from the storm in cheddar in the, in the, in the rock that, that is split and is still there today. As the godly old man sheltered from the storm, to his inspired mind came the words of a hymn. A hymn that you, you will all know. And what a wonderful word it is to be hidden in the rock rock of ages cleft, split, wounded for me let me hide myself in thee to flee to the rock Jesus Christ he'll never move but he was wounded for and we flee to his rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee let the water and the blood from thy riven side that flowed be of sin the double cure Cleanse me from its guilt and power. You know that hymn? Do you know the second verse? I'm sure you do. Listen. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Wonderful. See, religion says, something in my hand I bring. God will be pleased with me because I've done this or been there. No good. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross, I cling. Religion says something in my hand. Abel's offering that early day in human history, in the the world's origins, was brought by faith and was accepted. But there's something even better than Cain's sacrifice. Look in your Bibles in Hebrews 12. I've already had you back there, but let's look in the following chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. Something even better than Cain's sacrifice. Hebrews 12 and verse uh, 24, please. Lovely to see some of you turning over your Bibles. Hebrews 12 and verse uh, 24. 
and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. It was wonderful that Abel brought the gospel offering, the blood of a lamb, as his father Adam had taught him. God's way of salvation was the way of blood. Some don't like it. But the blood makes an atonement for the soul. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, says the inerrant word of God. And here we read that there's something better. The blood of sprinkling, the blood of Christ, that speaks, the blood speaks to God. The speaking blood speaks better things than that of Abel. And it speaks here of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to finish here. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. But I told you that I'm a Devonshire man. Uh, Mind you, it isn't where a man comes from, where he's going. That's what really counts. Amen? Amen? So I'm from Devon and I'm headed for heaven and home. But I've stopped off here on the way. Praise the Lord. In Yorkshire, where I pastored for a number of years, the famous Bronte sisters, Haworth, wonderful uh, literary history in the history of Britain, Patrick Bronte, the vicar, he was preceded by a famous vicar, his name will come to me in a moment, what a godly man he was. Uh, And he lived in the days when a revival was breathing, uh, Wesley, Whitfield, uh, Senec, all these were men of fire and the fire spread. A revival came to Britain. One secular historian speaking about the 18th century said that the revival under Wesley and Whitfield and the others turned Britain into a nest of singing birds. They sang, worshipped God all over Britain. Churches filled, streets filled. A nest of singing birds Friends, not much singing goes on in Britain today. We've turned our backs on God. Even the church turning its back on God. Even the church asking, can you believe it is God a man or a woman? Friends, that's blasphemy. And they think they're wonderful. But God is still on the throne. It's all written written in here. All written. The apostasy of of the last day's church. Well, in uh, the little village where I, I used to go in, in Yorkshire of Haworth, there was a very famous vicar and he was a godly man and he preached the gospel with so much power that people, more people were outside his church than they could get inside. They were hungry, he could preach the gospel and they would come from miles around and he would be on a horse. He must have had a good constitution to be preaching the gospel across Yorkshire And on Sunday the place was packed and his clergymen, brethren, got jealous of him and took a complaint against him to the bishop in Blackburn. This man is overstepping his legal parish boundaries. We don't like him taking people from our area. They were jealous of him and they complained to the bishop. The bishop, he said, uh, come back in a week's time and I'll tell you what I'm going to do about him. A week later they came back. They said, what are you going to do about him? The old bishop must have been a good one. He said, give me ten men like him and I'll turn England upside down. 
What a man he was. His name will come to me in a moment. One big sadness. He had a son that was a rebel. A young boy far from God. He refused the gospel. And he'd be every night when his dad was preaching. He'd be in the pub. And he took drugs in, in those days uh, that were freely available. And he was a disgrace and a shame to his parents. And when the dear old clergyman died, he expressed regret that his son, he'd never see him in heaven. So sad. But some years after his father's passing, that boy got wonderfully converted. He'd married, he had some little children. He gave his life to Christ and later he raised a Christian family. And then he came to die. And history records that as he was dying, he said to his family, what will my father say when he sees me in heaven? What will my dad say? He died thinking I'm lost. What will he say when he sees me there? Friends, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. To be heaven born, heaven bound. And to know I've been telling the young people in Romania, I've just, I'm just back from Romania, I'm still hungry. Telling the young people in Romania, Jesus died to pay a debt he didn't owe. To clear me of a debt I couldn't pay. That's it. The gospel substitution Penal substitution. Yes, God legally accepts the death of his son for me. He died so I could live eternally. I was telling the young people in Romania about it. um, And they love to hear the gospel there. Thank you for listening. And I'll hand you back now to our dear pastor. We thank the Lord for him. And if he wants to preach tonight, that's okay with me.